Good morning, my name is Philip Brand, and if it's the first time that you're visiting here, I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad that you're with us today. Um, just stay seated to do this, but just real, real quick, just turn around to the people that are right next to you and welcome them to the service. Just don't, don't move, but just, just say hello, welcome them, right? Thank you. Good morning, how you doing? Very good. Very good. We, um, we are uh, starting a, a new series this morning called Who Invented Christmas? And um, yesterday, um, I actually made, made something at the house, which is this. Took me a little bit, but, but I finally, finally put it all together. Yep. Actually, I'll have to say that's probably quicker than the ones that you do at your house. Um, you can't eat the bread anymore. This morning, the bread was really crisp, right? Right? But that, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my Christmas decoration right there. That's, that's why Nicole doesn't let me go out much. So, yeah. So, so our, our um, series is called Who Invented Christmas? Um, Christmas, I don't know if you know this or not. You may, might, you might not. Christmas means Christ and Mass. Mass meaning communion, Mass meaning um, the Eucharist, Mass meaning, uh, the, you know, when we partake of the bread and drink of the cup. So uh, somewhere in the past, the church got together and they put Christ with the Mass and said Christmas. And uh, it was around the time that um, they, they believed that Christ was born. Not really believed that Christ was born, but the date that they picked to celebrate it. Um, so why they picked December 25th is because that's the darkest day of the year, they thought. That was the darkest day of the year. And right after December 25th, on December 26th, is when the days start getting longer. Now, to put a book in on that on this side, they also celebrated St. John's birthday, John the Baptist's birthday. They celebrate his birthday on the longest day of the year. The very next day is when the days start getting shorter. So the Bible verse scripture that they used was John the Baptist must decrease, so Jesus Christ must increase. And that's why they set them on those two days. Well, then the question comes up, well, why don't they just put it on the actual day that Jesus was born? We don't know that. We don't know that date. Um, it was probably in the spring, but we really don't know when it was that he was, he was born. But those people, they got together and they picked the 25th of December because the days increased, and, and that's when they just decided to do it. And they called it, well, what do we call this holiday? Well, we will call it Christ, because that's what it's about, and, and must. Um, by the way, it, you might be new to the faith, so I'm just going to tell you this. Christ is not Jesus' last name, because um, we often say Jesus Christ, and some people think, you know, it was Mary Christ and Joseph Christ. No, it wasn't their last name. Christ is a messianic thing in Scripture, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, later but it's two different, two different words, so that's what that is. I know that a lot of people uh, talk about the pagan parts of the holiday, and, and they'll point out different aspects of, of the holiday, but honestly, Christmas didn't start as a pagan holiday, and the stuff that we've brought into it that have noth nothing to do with Christ, some of it's just for fun, and some of it's just meaningless to, to me, but nonetheless, we have brought some stuff in, but the, but the actual holiday started to celebrate Christ 
and his birth. For instance, if you're wondering some of the things that we've brought into it, it, it would be like Santa, which we've always told our kids that Santa was for fun and Jesus is real. So that's how we, how we navigated through that. I've, I've honestly never had the elf on the shelf in my house. Um, he creeps me out. Okay? However, I am, nobody knows this, but just a few people, but um, if you ever run across an elf on the shelf picture of a Barbie car and it's wrecked and the elf on the shelf is laying on the um, kitchen and there's kind of ketchup around him, that's my picture. And that, that has been shared Tuds of times, it's amazing. I wish I could make Buddy off that picture, but that's, a, that's an amazing little picture. But nonetheless, Elf on the Shelf, I hope I didn't scare any kids. But uh, Elf on the Shelf is just not something that, that I've, I've ever got into. He just looks kind of creepy. And if you really look at him, his eyes are like, all the time. It's just kind of odd to me. And I saw Chucky when I was little. So, you know, that's just that, that sort of thing going on there. Um, so... When, when you talk about, you know, you hear sometimes people talk about pagan rituals and all this stuff, and Christmas isn't a religious holiday and all that kind of stuff. Um, what you need to realize is this. The world views it as a Christian holiday. The way that you know that is, they don't want you to say Christmas, they want you to say happy holidays, because it's something about that word Christ that they don't like. Yesterday we were at a, a parade, my two kids are in the marching band, and uh, every, everybody that came by was saying, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Well, there was a group of people here that would shout back, Happy Hanukkah, Happy this, Happy Holidays, Happy, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. Because the world recognizes that Christmas is a Christian holiday and they want to get rid of that word Christ. Right? That, that, that's what they want to get rid of. You never hear them say, get rid of this, that, or the other. In fact, in school, you can have Santa come, but you can't have a nativity. It's that sort, of, that sort of deal. And I'm not preaching against school systems or anything like that. I'm just noting that if you really want to know if this is a Christian holiday, it is. The world views it that way. The world views it that way. We can talk about Christmas trees, and there's all kinds of different stories how they came to be. There's all kinds of different stories how lights on your house came to be. The fact of the matter is Christmas is a religious Christian holiday. It's where we celebrate the birth of Christ. It's what we agreed to do. So the question, and I'm going to give it to you right up front, who invented Christmas? Man did. Man invented Christmas. He invented Christmas in order to set aside a time to celebrate Christ's birth. Okay? Because somewhere in history... The church got together and said, you know, this is a pretty significant moment and we probably need to celebrate it. And so they started celebrating it and they started pushing it. And literally all around the world on December 25th, people celebrate Christmas. That's what they do. Unless you're in the country that celebrates it on January 7th, kind of, there's a reason for that. But nonetheless, everybody celebrates this particular holiday. Um, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Call his name uh, Emmanuel. So, has God ever called at Christmas in Scripture? No. Never. 
You're not going to find that in Scripture, Christmas. Did God look down through time and see when his son would be born and knew that one day a group of believers would celebrate his birth on a particular day and call it Christmas? Absolutely. Did God ever give, give us a command to celebrate Christmas? No, he never gave us a command to celebrate Christmas. But did he know that somewhere down the line, you and I would set aside December 25th to remember when our Savior was born? And the answer to that question is yes. God, when he wrote Scripture, had plenty of time to tell us that we shouldn't do it. Come on. Plenty of time to tell us. So he didn't do that because he knew that it was important and he knew it was something more when these people started it. Now, I want to show you a couple of accidental inventions, okay? Accidental. Here's the first one, the slinky. Slinky is an accidental invention. What he was trying to do, Richard Jones, was make a meter designed to monitor power on naval battleships. So that's what he was trying to do. He was working on the tension springs for his invention, when one of them fell onto a chair, down onto the floor, and kept going one more time. And the slinky was created. Right? So that is how accidental it was created. Here's another one. This was created by Ruth Wakefield. And if we did, in the Baptist church, make people a saint, we should make Ruth a saint for inventing this. So what was happening was she, she was trying to make um, chocolate cookies, just chocolate cookies. And she didn't have enough chocolate to, to melt it down and make the cookies. So what she did was she just did the dough, and she decided to put the little chocolate chunks in the dough, thinking that they would melt over the whole cookie on top of it while it cooked. So you would have chocolate on top, was her idea, and then inside would be, you know, the nice sweet cookie. Well, what happened after she baked it the chocolate chunks didn't move, and the chocolate chip cookie was born. I believe that those are in heaven, but I can't tell you where I see that in Scripture, but I believe that those are in heaven, but that's where they were speak. So those, that is accidental. Here's another one, potato chips. This was created by George Crumb, and he was a chef. So what happened was there was a guy that used to have fried potatoes. I'm not really sure what they looked like or what, but it was basically a whole potato and they were smaller and they fried them, okay? He kept sending them back because he wanted them sliced. He wanted a little smaller, so he kept sending them back. Well, the chef got upset with him. So what he did was he sliced them in very thin increments and dumped them in a deep fryer. His intent was to burn them and send them out back to make a point. But what ended up happening was he sent those chips out to the guy, and the guy came back and said, I want more of those. So out of anger, your potato chip was born, accidentally. Out of anger and trying to make a point to a man, two men duking it out. What did the kitchen, what did the restaurant? Your potato chip was born, and we have been fat ever since. Ever since that day, we have been fat. Potato, it, it started all kinds of bad stuff, like potato couch people that eat chips all the time and all that kind of stuff. It just wasn't a great invention. But nonetheless, there it is, the potato chip. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And in light of accidental, um, 
I want you to know that Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, is not something that just happened. God was not just in heaven one day, um, 2,000 years ago, and all of a sudden he said, you know what, I, I don't know, I think, I think a good idea would be maybe Jesus could go and save. It, it, wasn't, an, it wasn't an instantaneous, kind of spontaneous type of deal um, for Jesus to be born. It was something that was planned. In fact, um, in Galatians, and we're going to get to Matthew in a second, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent for his son to be born of a woman. To be born of a woman. Um, when the fullness of time had come, no one was looking for Jesus to be born, first of all. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. He sent his son in a very unique time in human history. The Romans, as oppressive as they were, had created peace all over the world. The Romans, though we might not have connected with them, you know, in, in a political sense, so I'm not going there, but the Romans had created roads. The Romans had created systems. And it was the right moment, it was the right time for uh, Jesus to come. Why? The Romans set up a system where the message of him coming would be easily spread to the entire world. Now, you might think, well, we have Twitter, okay? We have Facebook, okay? I tell you right now, if someone said a god was born in whatever country, we wouldn't believe that particular post, right? God set it up to where he was born, and it was quiet, and there was a few people that knew about it, and it grew. It was the right moment for Jesus Christ to be born. It was the right moment in history. It was when the message would get out. Have you ever noticed that no one ever says, oh, Gandhi, when they hurt themselves? Have you ever noticed that? Nobody ever says, ah, Gandhi. Nobody ever says that. They use Jesus' name, his first and last name, right? But they don't say, oh, Gandhi. You know, they'd never say that. Why? Gandhi, even though we still remember him what he does, was not born at a time where he did something significant that changed the entire world. He changed the country, and we, we're studying. But Jesus is totally, totally different. So at the appointed time, so Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother married had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save this, 
He will do this to save the people from their sins. Now, back in verse 18, when his mother married had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's intentional. Galatians will say, hey, at the appointed time, I sent my son to a woman. It was Mary. It was Mary that was supposed to, um, supposed to have the child. So this angel comes to, this angel comes to Joseph and he, he appears before Joseph in a dream and he says these words to him. Don't be afraid to take Mary, that's what he says. And then the author of Matthew, which is Matthew, says this about this particular story, verse 22. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, if you were trying to make up something that people would believe and be historically accurate, you would not include the virgin birth. Because honestly, that's crazy. That's crazy. I had a teenager one time that, that said um, she, was, she was at a public swimming pool uh, at a public pool swimming, and that's how she got pregnant. No. No. So you have someone coming forward and they're trying to make a believable story and they say, well, I was a virgin. You don't put that into the story. You cover that up, right? Yes. So he came at an appointed time to someone that had never known a man and the Holy Spirit put Jesus inside her womb. And from the very first cell, it was Jesus Christ in this world, in the flesh, from the very first cell. That means the God that created all those cells and the God that created the universe crammed himself into a one-cell organism for just a few hours that developed over time into something that was a little bit more. The baby began at conception. That is when God was in her womb, and it was virgin born. If you were going to make up a story about something, you wouldn't do that. And so at the appointed time, he came to Mary, he came to Joseph, and told them what was going to occur. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. So God was very intentional. He picked a time when Jesus would be born. He picked a time when that message could get out literally to the entire world, the story of his life. He picked the appropriate moment. Now, why was God so intentional about doing this to make sure that you and I would receive that message? Well, the first thought I have when I have that question is, couldn't God have saved us another way? I've had that thought. Um, to cram himself into, into flesh and then later down across and raise, rise again just isn't my idea of a good life. I don't know if I'd sign up for that one, right? We're... I'm this big, and now I'm going to go back as a baby. You know there's people that say, if I could just go back and live my life over. I don't want to live my life over. 
I, didn't like it. I don't want to go back to the toddler years. I don't want to go back to the middle school years. God help us. I don't want to go back to all that, right? I just want to be who I am and just keep on going. But God came back here, and then he, he grew. Why in the world would, isn't there another way? Like, for instance, couldn't he just come down and pronounce forgiveness to the entire world? Look, I'm going to forgive you all to the entire world. Couldn't he just do that? The answer to that question is no. The penalty of sin is death. He told them in the garden that as soon as they partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you were going to die, and they died a spiritual death. He couldn't just then come down and say, hey, you know, I've thought about this a little bit. I was a little too rough on you in the garden. So I'm going to come down and just say, you're all forgiven, and we're just going to start this thing over. God could not do that. Once you're dead, there has to be a death, the penalty of death in the place of that in order for you and I to be redeemed. So it couldn't be with that. It had to be with blood. And so it had to be a plan. And God had to set it up in such a way that we, the beings that are kind of slow to understand things at times, would understand why Jesus came so that we could receive him as our Savior. So that is what God was doing. So all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken, what he had planned he had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So why so intentional? Well, it's in verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you were to ask people to list felt needs, I guarantee you being saved from sin is not one of them. If you were to list felt needs, for instance, let me give you a couple. I wrote down some, okay? Water. Water is a felt need. If you get dry in 30... It's a felt need. Food is a felt need. Some of you might be feeling it right now. I don't know. Lunch is about to come. Food is a felt need. Safety is a felt need. When we hear stuff on, on the news, we immediately start thinking safety. When you're in what you perceive to be a bad area, you immediately start to think safety. You feel it's a felt need. Safety is a felt need. Love is a felt need. Love. You want to be loved. It's a felt need. It's something that you want. It's something that you need. Community, to have friendships, is a felt need. You feel like you need to know other people. You feel like you need to connect with people. Sin, ladies and gentlemen, is not one of the felt needs that we feel, being saved from sin. The Scripture would put it to you this way. While you were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for your sins. The scriptures would say that you and I would never feel the felt need of being rescued from our sins if it wasn't for God stepping into the picture. We would never know that we needed to be fixed unless God stepped into the picture and did something. Christmas represents the time that not only God stepped in the picture to do something about our sins because it was that important, but but, be, but God also gave us the Holy Spirit that would enlighten us 
bring the blindness off of our eyes so that we could see that we had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you have never had a moment where, where you felt the depravity, your sin was really bad, and you knew that God was better, you're, you are still blind to that. Christ came into the world to save us from our sins. Now, let me tell you how we like to read that, how we like to perceive that. We like to read it this way, and I don't even know how I'm looking at that. We like to look at it this way. Christ came into the world to give us forgiveness because forgiveness feels better. And we will go one step further. Christ came into the world to forgive him or her or that person on the back row or that guy at the convenience store. That Christ came into the world to give forgiveness. Christ did not come into the world to just give you forgiveness. Christ came into the world because you needed rescuing. You needed rescuing from your sins. You needed rescuing from the consequences of your sins. We needed to be rescued. We needed to be saved. Christ came because you needed someone to come and save you, rescue you. Not forgive sins, rescue you. You see, the Old Testament people, when they read it, they looked at the Messiah coming as coming in as a warrior and wiping out their enemies. They viewed Christ as coming in, and yeah, we've already uh, gotten forgiveness from our sins because we do all the ceremonial stuff at the temple and stuff, and so he's going to come in and just be our king. No, Christ was coming to the earth to rescue you and I from the pits of hell so that you and I could be with him in heaven. That is an amazing thing. I needed to be rescued. You need to be rescued. Who invented Christmas? The group of people that got a hold of that concept and said, wow. The group of people that got together and, and grabbed a hold of that concept and said, the God of the universe didn't come just to pronounce forgiveness. The God of the universe came because I needed to be rescued. I was chained to my sins. I needed someone to come to that dungeon and release me and give me freedom. Christ came and was born as a baby, and we need to celebrate that because that is an amazing moment in the history of mankind. We need to call it something. Let's call it Christ Mass because the baby came to die, to rescue me from my sins. And ladies and gentlemen, that should be the reason that we celebrate Christmas. That should be the reason that we, every time we put up a tree, we're thinking about Christ. Our ornaments should have something to do with Christ. It doesn't have to be all of them, but there has to be something on that tree because we are believers and we are celebrating the risen Lord. You and I should have a nativity in our home to tell everybody that we are Christians and this is what we are celebrating. This is what we are worshiping. We are not worshiping the latest TV sale that's at Walmart. We're not, we're not worshiping the, na- the latest video game that's out. We're not worshiping the latest Apple product that has just come out and it's like, oh my goodness, they call it an iPhone 
X. What is this? It is not worshiping all these things that we get at Christmas. It is the moment that we realize Jesus has come and he is our gift. And the gift is freedom. The gift is redemption. The gift is he has saved my soul. Mm. Why was Christmas invented? Because someone grabbed a hold of that. Mm. It's great, great. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for we will, he will save his people from their sins. Why so intentional? Because we needed to be saving, saved, saving. We need to be saved. This is me coming down off a little exciting high, okay? Let me catch my breath a minute. All right? Now, if my wife was captured by someone and taken somewhere, the first thing I would do is I would, I would look at my phone to see exactly where she's at and hope that she had that phone, Okay? Then, I would call a couple of people. And we would go to that particular place, and I'd try to figure out exactly how to enter, how to go in and listen to them and all that kind of stuff. And I would go in intentionally at a particular moment to rescue her. Now, might I die in the process? That's a possibility. It's a possibility. But I would like to think that I'm Ethan Hunt. Right? And that I could go in and I could rescue her. The point of this illustration is not if I could rescue my wife or not, I would, I would try. The point of this illustration is it's all at the right moment that you have to go in. You have to be intentional. You have to make a plan. You have to survey, you have to survey what is going on and then go at the right appointed time to save people. Listen, Christ not only intentionally came at a particular time in history where that message to get out to the world, he also had you at the right place at the right moment so that you could hear that message so that you had the opportunity to receive him as your savior. He was intentional about that. He looked down through time and he said, I need this moment because Roger Miller is going to be at this point in his life 2,000 years later. He made him here at this moment to die on the cross and rise again because he knew that Carl and Vicki Stoltz would be at Farmington Baptist Church and they would need to hear the message and receive him as their personal savior. He intentionally did this so that more intentional moments in our lives would occur. Can you imagine the thought process that God had behind all of that? Ladies, when this dawned on me, and it was recently, this is precisely what election is. It is not necessarily God picking Ben to be saved and Roger not to be saved. It is God being born at the appropriate time, looking down through history, 
giving people moments where they could receive him as their savior and they do it and he says, yeah, that's my elect, they chose me. That's my elect, they chose me. I drew them to salvation with the Holy Spirit because they couldn't see me unless I did that, unless I enlightened their eyes with the Holy Spirit. And then once they saw the truth, they reached out and they grabbed it and they asked forgiveness for their sins and they became a savior. That is my children, those are my elects, they are now adopted into my family. What's another reason that God was so intentional? Because he looked down through time and he loved you. And he loved you. And he loved you. And we were worth it. We were worth being crammed into a one-cell organism and then developing over time. We were worth being born and growing up and developing physically. We were worth him dying on the cross to shed his blood for our sins. We were worth him rising again to give us the gift of new life. We were worth it. And he looked down through time and looked at your moment when you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and saying, I'm adopting her. I'm adopting him. I'm adopting him. I'm adopting her. Because he wanted you to be in his family. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, have, you, have, you ever, have you ever just had a day, and, and I, I, I wrote this, have you ever had a day where you just wished your kids would understand how much you loved them? Have you ever had a day where you wished your kids understood that you always had their best interest in mind? Ever had that day? Have you ever had the day where I wish my kids understood that it breaks my heart when they don't understand the why behind what I'm doing? And, and you can explain it and explain it, but your kid just doesn't get it and it just breaks your heart. Don't you sometimes just lay in bed? I do at times, and I have great kids, so I'm not I'm not in any way saying I don't have great kids. I love my kids, and if you say anything different, I will hit you. But, but they, I have two great kids, and I'm kind of joking about that, but you might get hit. But, um, but they are great kids. But sometimes I lay, and we're all parents, and we lay in the bed, and we think, you know, my kids think that I lay here at night coming up with ways to make their life miserable. And then I get up the next day and I decide to make their life miserable on that particular given day. It, it really doesn't work, work like that at all. It doesn't work like that at all. Um, and, and so you sit there and you wonder about that. I, I wish my kids knew that I love them. I wish my kids knew how much I love them so that they would trust me. Right? I mean, that's really that they would actually trust what I'm saying. That though they might not really understand the ins and outs of everything that I'm trying to tell them, they would understand that I, would ha I have the best intentions for them. That I do that. God, is, God was sitting in heaven, looking down through this plan of redemption, thinking, I need to let my creation know, the humans know, how much I love them, how how can I do that? Do I just give them a book? I mean, he didn't go through this process because he's God. I'm just making it human. Do I give them a book and a list of rules that they have to do? Do I, do I send them a red phone 
you know, so that they can call me and I can call them and I can let them know? Do I give them video surveillance? Do I appear in the clouds to let them know how to live and how not to live? Is, is that how I do it? Just, just give them rules and regulations? All, is that how I do it? How do I really let them know that, that I love them? And the answer to that question is found in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. How do your children know that you really love them? It's when you're with them. When you make it to the basketball games, when you make it to what is important to them, when you spend time with them at night, when you watch movies with them, when you ride in the car with them to school, when you ride in the car with them to church, when you are present in the flesh with them. And God looked at the creation that he was about to create before he created it, and he said this, those people are going to fall and they need to know that I love them, so this is what I'm going to do. At the appointed time, I'm going to come and I'm going to be born. I am going to be God in the flesh, God with them, and I'm going to touch, hug, and be with them in their environment to let them know that I love them. I am going to spend time with them. Good night. That was 2,000 years ago. When does Jesus spend time with me now? Every day. Because God had a bigger plan than just being born here and rising again. He had a plan that said, hey, people that ask forgiveness of their sins, I'm going to come and actually empower them and live inside of them. So it's at that point that God comes into you and your flesh and bones becomes his hands and feet. And he wants to spend time with you as well. That's why he came. That's why he was intentional. So every moment that you sit down and you contemplate the word of God, every time that you sit down and you pray to God the Father, every time that you sit there and you try to spend time with God is a moment where he is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know how in the world I would have made it this far in life without having God with me on the journey. I don't know how I could do that. And it was so important for God to be with me and to be with you that he was intentional about his birth and he was intentional about the day where you accepted him and he drew you to himself and he's been intentional ever since then about trying to connect with you on a daily basis to spend time with you because he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. That's an amazing thing. So somewhere in the past, there's a group of church people that said, God was born in a baby, and he did it to rescue me. That's pretty amazing. God was born as a baby, and he did it to spend time with us because he was Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God with us.
Um, I've been in the presence of some people, I'm not going li- to list their names, throughout this country that are pretty important people. Pretty important people. In fact, if, if I was to give you a list of names, I could, you would say, oh, yeah, I know them. Yeah, I know that person. Yeah, I know that person. And I've been in their presence. I would say that there's a group of you in here that's been in the presence of, of some same people that are nationally known. If you have ever been to a, a concert, hopefully it was clean and no one was smoking anything they, they weren't supposed to be smoking or drinking stuff that they weren't supposed to be drinking because you're a Christian, blah, 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 and I'm a pastor and I'm going to tell you that. But nonetheless, you're in the presence of some group that was naturally known and you were in their presence, right? You know, in those particular environments, you have to have backstage tickets to even see them. And sometimes when you get to, see, get to the backstage and you have that ticket, um, they talk to you, but it's not really on a deep friendship level, right? God loved you so much that there's no back seat, there's no back ticket, there's no concert, there's no place that you come just so that you can fill his presence and then go somewhere else and he's no longer there. God came in the flesh to be among you for the rest of your life. for the rest of your life. That should guide what we do. That should guide what we say. That should guide our connection. That should guide our worship of him this Christmas. God came in the flesh and dwelt among us. So, man created Christmas. Why? Because they understood what God was doing and the depth of, it lo- depth of the love that it took for him to come here. That he loved me, and he loved you. Let's pray.